Hello and welcome to From Gay to Z, a podcast for LGBTQ plus parents who don't just want to talk about their kids the entire time. Quite right. Although we often end up talking about them quite a lot. We do. But listener, if you've just stumbled across us and you're not a parent or you're not a queer, then honestly, do stick with us as you know, we, well, we try, don't we Lottie, to to entertain as much as we possibly can. And who knows, you may even learn a thing or two that you can go and tell your friends about the queers that you've listened to on the, <laughs> on the podcasting waves. Uh, <laughs> sure, Stu, yeah. Well, anyway, today's episode is really one that everyone and anyone should listen to because we have the amazing therapist, two-time New York Times bestselling author Nedra Glover-Tower coming on to talk to us about her new book, Drama Free, which offers practical guidance to help you address the challenges with your relationship with your parents, siblings, in-laws, children, extended or blended family. Honestly, Drama Free, what a title. I do think, I mean, not just my mantra for this year, but maybe just in life. And I apologise, listener, if this suddenly becomes like some sort of therapy session, because the moment you get a therapist on the show, that's it. It's like, right, here I, I know, am. Like I need to like therapy. lay back and just like get some words of wisdom. But no drama free. I mean, let's talk about drama for a minute. We love a bit of drama, but... My life is drama. Life is drama and children are drama. Like my kid is so dramatic and... I honestly don't know where she gets it from because... I do. Me and Jen... Yeah, but we're not, like... I Maybe I'm, like, a little bit theatrical, like, but I'm not... I'm really, like, balanced. I'm not a dramatic person in terms of my moods, and nor is Jenny. Hang on. Can you wait a minute, Lot? I'm literally... I think I might need to phone Jenny right now and just see if she fully agrees. Jenny, if you're listening to this, let us know your thoughts. No, but, I mean, I like drama... I like gossip and drama, but in terms of like welcoming that energy into my life, it's not something that I really strive for. I mean, true, true. Does anybody, but some people tend to yes. like kind of enjoy drama a little bit. They like cultivate the drama. Yeah. I mean, certainly my four year old does. She's the sort of person, like, if you just like brush past her, she'll like throw herself on the floor and be like, You hurt me. Oh, my arm. I never, I'll never survive. Like, I honestly don't know. She's so over the top. It's crazy. Yeah. My son's like that. He looks at me dead in the eye and just goes, I'm really stressed. You're stressing me. I wonder where he's heard that from. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the thing. They get it all from us, don't they? Totally. So before we welcome Nedra on, though, I wanted us to don our newsroom specs again and shuffle our papers because you know we love to do that in our our kind of news round style. Um, Because there has been some breaking news in the world of surrogacy. Oh, yes, there has. There has. So what is the tea? The tea, my dear, is that the Law Commission have said that, surprise, surprise, the current laws are outdated for intended parents. This is from Professor Nick Hopkins, who is a family law commissioner, who has said, the use of surrogacy to form a family has increased in recent years, but are decades-old laws outdated and not fit for purpose? Ooh. Under current law, surrogacy agreements are often a complex and stressful process for all involved, and we need a more modern set of laws that work in the best 
interests of the child, the surrogate and the intended parents. So how about that? Yes, you might know our friends Michael and Wes, actually. They're called Two Dads on Instagram and they founded My Surrogacy Journey, which is an amazing resource for anyone considering surrogacy. Mm. It's like a concierge, isn't it? It's, they, they say it's like a concierge service for, for surrogacy, so they literally cover everything. Yeah, and they're amazing advocates as well for the process. So we asked them to tell us what this means for surrogacy moving forward. So this week, as we've seen, the Law Commission announced their draft bill. Um, we feel that this is certainly a step in the right direction. And, and one of the standout changes there is the introduction of a new legal route to parenthood. Now, there are some checks and balances that you need to do. So providing that your embryo transfer takes place in the UK and that you work with a regulated surrogacy organisation, you can have legal parentage from birth, which is something that um, me and my husband never had. Um, our children were born and our surrogate and her husband were classed as the legal parents because that's what the law stated. Whereas this recommendation now means that intended parents can not only have parental responsibility, but legal parentage of their own children and don't have to go through the parental order process. Now, you still have to go through the parental order process um, if you don't qualify for all of the steps in the new legal route to parenthood. Um, but certainly for our case, because we did surrogacy in the UK and our embryo transfer took place in the UK, um, it would it would meant that we would have had um, that legal parentage. So it, it saves you a lot of heartache. It saves you stress. It can save you money. Um, and it gives that reassurance, not only to you, but also to your surrogate and their spouse, that um, they're not going to be or have legal responsibility for a child that's not theirs, but gives the comfort and the security to intended parents knowing that their child is legally theirs. See, I mean, even my dogs are excited by this noise, Lottie. I don't know if you can hear them. Betty and Bo, short for rainbow. Yeah, we stopped short of my daughter calling one of them farty. So we went with Rainbow, <laughs> aka Bo, instead. But anyway, if you want to share your thoughts with us on this new reform, then don't forget our wonderful new feature, Sound Pipe. It's not Sound no, Pipe. I got not. that wrong before. It's called Speak Pipe. We're never going to get this right. I can't even speak <laughs> anymore. It's called Speak Pipe. And we'll include a link to it in our show notes. And look, I've got it up on my phone, speakpipe.com. Literally, you go to it and there's a big red button that says start recording. You press it and then you just like leave a voice note. Here we go. I'm doing it. You're leaving, leaving us a voice note. And then you stop and you put your name in and then you send it and it's done. I'm very happy that, you know, there is a lot happening in the world at the moment that's quite anti-LGBTQ+. And whilst... The surrogacy forms aren't particularly queer focused. Obviously, it affects a huge part of the queer community and it's a plus and it's a positive. So let's embrace that, people. Yes, more of this, please. So today we are welcoming Nedra Glover-Tawab onto the show. She is a New York Times best-selling author, a licensed therapist and sought-after relationship expert. Her philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlies most relationship issues and her gift is helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and others. Nedra, thank you so much 
for joining us on From Gay to Z today. How are you? I am well. Thank you for having me today. Fabulous. We are big fans of your books and your latest book, Drama Free, is bound to become an indispensable guide for so many people. Maybe you could just start by telling us a little bit about the book and why you decided to write it. The book is about unhealthy family relationships, and I decided to write it because so many of us need help with dysfunctional families, learning tools to be in those families, learning how to exist as ourselves, learning how to manage those relationships. I think if my husband saw my copy of Drama Free on the side of my bed, he would he would laugh because I think I live my life being anything but drama free. So um, <laughs> it's definitely one that I need need in my life. Um, I wanted to read out just a little um, passage from it before I ask a question to you, Nedra. You say, when people enter therapy, family relationships are most often what they want to discuss. From a therapist's perspective, many of the issues in marriages, friendships, and other relationships were birthed in our families. People may lament, not everything is about my family, but so often it is. And one question that often comes up in therapy is, who was the first person to make you feel that way? The answer typically goes back to the first experience occurring in the family. How people engage in the family is how they usually engage in the world. So with this in mind, Nedra, tell us, tell Lottie and I how what we can do as parents to make sure that, you know, that our kids aren't going to basically end up in therapy in 30 years time, tracing all their issues back to us. Like, what can we do as parents? Mm. Well, your kids may end up in therapy, but hopefully they won't talk about you or they'll talk about how wonderful you were. <laughs> um You know, there's so many things that parents can do. One of the really big things is to pay attention to our kids and listen to their unique needs. So often parents are parenting from a space of how they think they should go. And it's not very intuitive. It's just based on what you think as an adult. And it's not always great for kids. But paying attention to your unique child, if you have a child that you know, is high feeling, how do you manage that? If you have a child who is maybe a little more passive than you like, how do you encourage them to be more assertive? There are so many things that, you know, parents can protect kids from and be vigilant about. So it's really wonderful when kids have parents who can pay attention really well to their needs. Mm. And I do want to say as well, I, you know, I may have said that in a way that made it sound like therapy was a bad thing, which obviously it's not. Um, and if our kids own up in therapy, I'll be more than happy with that because I really, and I, and I, I actually wanted to use this opportunity because I love the quote that you have on your website, which says, there is something transformative about saying things aloud, sharing your stories unburdens you. And I think we could all take a lesson of how to, to share the things that trouble us because everything does trouble us, right? There's never <laughs> going to be there's never going to be a person that doesn't have anything that troubles them. No, I I would say that that person is not living. If that is the case, <laughs> there is always check for a something pulse. going on. Yeah, yeah, and I think with with children and parents, relationships transition. You know, everybody doesn't have a bad childhood. Some people don't have issues mm. with their parents until they're adults and new things come up, whether it's their parents aging and maybe not wanting to listen 
or them having, you know, financial issues and leaning more on the parents. So it's not all, oh my gosh, you messed your child up, but adults too can have some challenges in their relationships with parents. I think that's so true. And so often we feel like our relationship with our parents is fixed and like stuck in sort of like in amber from the period that we remember as children. But you're right. It's this ever flowing and changing two-way relationship, isn't it? And something you just said earlier really resonated for me because I am learning that I have definitely got a deeply feeling child. And it's just that (laughs) sense of like acknowledging that and acknowledging that we're learning who she is as she's learning. And like, again, it's that constant flow and change and sense that you've just got to ride it, right? You can't, it's never fixed. Absolutely. And how do you learn to be in relationship with someone who has certain qualities? You know, I think most of the time what we try to do is get the person to be like us, feel less, be less of this thing so I can feel more comfortable with the tools I already have to manage people. When in actuality, maybe we need to learn some new tools to be in this relationship because chances are your daughter is not the only high feeling person you know. And you may have been, you know, responding to others in a way that hasn't been helpful. Definitely. Um, And do you think, Nedra, that it's possible to break these ingrained patterns of behavior or ways of communicating in a family when, you know, they run so deep and they often involve so many people with so many different types? of personalities like it's overwhelming how do you even start trying to change that it's not about changing them it's really about changing how you engage in those patterns if you have a sibling that likes to pick fights if you engage in the fights then you'll always have fights with your sibling So that person can always do the thing that they've been doing and you can choose to disengage yesterday, I noticed my two daughters about to have an argument and the oldest one shocked me and she was like, I'm not arguing with her. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? I've been saying that for a long time. Like, you don't have to argue with her. Like, if she thinks she's right about something, just let her be loud and wrong. <laughs> just like <it's, laughs> It really doesn't matter. And so yesterday she, now this, she doesn't do this often, but yesterday she certainly was like, I, I don't even care. I'm like, wow. That's, the, that's <laughs> the goal. How old are your children, Nedra? Six and nine. Okay. So they're definitely in their fighting phase. Yeah. I feel mine are <laughs> in their fight. Mine are, I've got, oh, I've got three, but the two youngest, the two boys, they are three and five. And oh my word, they just fight nonstop. And if I could hear one of them say exactly what you just said, <laughs> the, I'm not going to argue with you and walk away. That's that's the goal. Ugh, it takes a while to get there. I, they were three and five at one point. So it, <laughs> it takes a while to get there. But when you get there, it's like, oh my gosh, all of these years of saying the same thing, it's working. <laughs> so what would you say to them? Would you just keep repeating like exactly what they repeated back to you? Don't engage. Just let them let them have their moment. Walk away. Don't engage in them. Is that what you would, how would you have you communicated that with them when they were five and three. Yeah. It's, you know, really helping them to see that in life, because I'm teaching you about relationships, period, not just with your sister, 
people will be wrong about something. You don't have to be the person to say, you're wrong, you're wrong, it's this, this is the... That will cause you a lot of stress. Now you're distressed because you have made it your mission to correct this wrong person. Do you want to do that to yourself? Because you think that this other person is doing it to you because they're wrong, but they're happy and wrong. After you've stated, well, it's actually this, you don't have to keep stating it. They're choosing to believe their perspective at this point. Allow them to do that and you can have a lot of peace for yourself by just saying, Oh, well, you know, I think we see this a lot on the internet. There are some people who must say, you didn't put a comma in that sentence. It's like, mm -hmm. do you want to be distressed over commas? That's such a good life lesson. I just, I, and I was talking about my three and five-year-old, but now I'm talking about me. <laughs> it's like I recognize <laughs> that there are things that I need to, to learn from that. What I tend to notice with LGBTQ families is there is more conversation about gender roles. There are more conversations mm. about what might happen with bullying. And those are actually things that heterosexual people need to do, but there's an unwillingness to do it because there's this assumed protection. But kids are facing a lot of the same things. And I think it's, you know, it's a pocket that we often miss in um, heterosexual families that, wow, there's a lot of conversations not had and it's on the minds of LGBTQ families, which is a wonderful thing. You know, I remember being a kid. I'm sure you remember being a kid. There is a lot that kids go through and a lot of conversations that would be very beneficial to them. In LGBTQ families, you know, bullying, I think is a very important conversation to have because kids can be absolutely terrible. And if they mm. know any sore point um, about your family, they will, they will pick it. And so teaching our kids how to respond or how to um, handle those situations is really important. Showing them um, how to have conversations with trusted people, how to pick people who are healthy for them, that is very important to do. And again, you know, I think it's something that all parents would benefit from. And, you know, there's a willingness um, in certain communities and not others. Hmm. Why do you think that children do that? Do you have a theory on why, like why other children find those weak spots in other children? Because that's something I've never really thought of. Well, this isn't scientific. This is just from watching people. Hmm. This is no science. There is something about us humans that likes having some authority over another person, whether it's race, whether it's size, whether it's length of hair, complexion, um, sexuality, gender, whatever it is. It's just something about like, I'm better than you because I can see and you wear glasses. You know, it's, I don't know what that is. To me, it's, it's almost like we have to work ourselves out of it. We have to really work ourselves towards being compassionate, towards being empathetic, because many of us are just naturally self-centered. And we're looking for this like, oh, I'm over this thing. And it's like, are you really? Are you really over this thing? Or are you just 
a different type of human. But, you know, with kids, I think parents, we have to do a lot of shaping. I'm often surprised at, you know, some beliefs that my kids may have that I don't even think that I have. <laughs> like they'll, they'll say things about people. I'm like, oh, that was harsh. <laughs> like, I don't even feel that way. <laughs> you know, so some of it is just their understanding of the world, right? Their understanding based on their peers, based on what they see on TV, they develop like, oh, families look like this. And if a family doesn't look like this, it's bad. Or if this doesn't happen, then this, they come up with these sort of things because they don't have the emotional intelligence to sort of process all of these things about the human experience. So it makes sense that they would have this, you know, simple way of mm. thinking about, you know, um, other people. We're just going to jump to a quick break, but we'll be back very shortly with Nedra Glover to up. Listener, we wanted to give a special shout out this episode to the Shangri-La in London, up the Shard. Oh, yes. We do like going up the Shard, don't we, Lot? We do. We love it. And any opportunity to go to this hotel is fine by us. And actually, they've been so supportive. They've even offered to host our book launch for the queer parent. And they're incredible, incredible space with the views overlooking the city. Um, but what we love most about this hotel is actually that they are very LGBTQ plus family focused. And they even have the rainbow flag flying outside the hotel all year round. They're actually the only luxury hotel which has the flag outside all year round, which is just such a nice welcome. That is nice. And am I right in thinking they actually welcomed their first LGBTQ plus Thoropple family, which I love? I've heard this. Yeah, they did. And they had a bed big enough for the three. <laughs> it's brilliant. Which is just so nice. And like all these other little details I love as well. So like, you know, sometimes you check into a hotel and there's like a his and hers bathrobe, his and hers slippers. So they just check in advance and they make sure that the gender of the amenities matches the gender identity of the person staying. And like at reception, they're all pronoun neutral. So they don't make any assumptions yes. in the welcome letters and the arrival letters. And also they make sure there's never a twin bed scenario at the check-in desk, which we hate uh. when you're having to like ask if it's a double or a single. So look, if you're looking for a splash out, special occasion, queer, family friendly, London stay. I don't think you could go wrong. Up the Shard at the Shangri-La. And we're back talking to the amazing Nedra Glover Toab about all things drama. Nedra, do you have any advice for listeners who might be trans or queer and who have a child, but they don't feel that they are treated within their family in the same way that their straight siblings and their straight siblings' families are treated, even if it's really subtle? Like, I'm not necessarily talking about overt homophobia here. I'm talking about, like, the tone of voice that your mum might use with like certain sort of judgmental things or just this feeling that you carry of like people don't believe in my family in the way they believe in my straight sister and her perfect perfect inverted commas heterosexual family and mm -hmm. how how do we manage that sense of rejection and not let it affect us as parents we highlight it 
you know, sometimes people really stand behind what they do because they're, they have a lack of awareness. And bringing that to someone's attention, I noticed when so-and-so came in the room, you said this this way. And then when my child came in the room, you said it this way. Just mm -hmm. highlighting that sometimes can be very impactful because people sometimes don't know how they present with their tone or affect or, you know, the way that they say things. I've, I've, I've been called out, you know, like sometimes my husband might say to me, oh, that was rude the way you said that. I'm like, really? I was not trying to be rude to the lady. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm just talking. So there could, you know, giving someone the benefit of, of the doubt that mm, maybe they're a jerk and they don't know it. <laughs> you know, maybe they're being mean and they have no clue. Maybe yeah. they're, you know highlighting something and they have a lack of awareness. So saying to them, you know, this is what I'm seeing. Do you notice this? Mm -hmm. Or when you say, you know, my kids and your grandkids and you separate the two, you are excluding someone. Mm -hmm. So highlighting those discrepancies can be a really helpful way to get someone to, mm. um, be united in their language, be united in how they um, treat children. Nice. And, you know, I'm an adoptive parent and I feel as adoptive parents and for, for many foster carers too, you know, we do a lot of work in the process to understand therapeutic parenting, to understand the trauma that the majority of children in these situations have experienced. Um, and I have often wondered, like, why all parents don't have this form of therapeutic parenting, like, in their back pocket. And, I mean, it's one of the reasons I absolutely love the book and the whole essence of the book. I mean, would you agree with that? And and could you explain what you kind of would explain therapeutic parenting in your own words? I, I think it's a wonderful idea for parents to take an interest in learning this new set of skills, because I think therapeutic parenting is teaching people how to be parents to children right? Like, I don't think that's a natural skill. We don't know about child development. We don't know how to appropriate listen, discipline, respond. These are not things that we know. You know, when you go from being uh, a parent to just being yourself, there's really no difference. There's nothing that you learn that's different other than, oh my gosh, my stomach has been hurting and now the baby's out or something <laughs> like that. Like there's no mental shift unless you mm. choose it. You have to choose to read books about parenting. You have to choose to um, take your kids to therapy. You have to choose to understand what parenthood can be like for you. Those are all choices. It's not anything that you must be taught. And unfortunately, some people are never willing to learn it. You have some people who go from just being an individual to being a parent and they have five kids mm. and they haven't applied any real life, mm, you know, new so skills. So true. So true. I, I wish, you know, we became more educated but before doing most things. You know, before we learn to drive, you have to learn the rules of the road. Mm. This is what this signs, sign means. This is what happens when. Unfortunately, with parenting, it's like, 
here, Nedra has a baby. <laughs> so that's it. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. If you want to learn something, go figure it out. It's like, it, it's a very interesting thing. I remember some of my friends started having children when we were young. And I would just be so amazed because I'm like, girl, I cannot believe you have a baby. Like, we do the same stuff and you have a baby. Like, that's wild <laughs> to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so true. I just wanted to read out another bit of your book. And I know it's always <laughs> awkward when other people read your book back to you. But um, it's something that I think is really relevant for our LGBTQ listeners. And that is... The truth is that during your childhood, you likely weren't allowed to be yourself. So as an adult, you're becoming more and more your true self. And it's healthy for you to figure out who you are, separate from, from who you were modeled or told to be. I think this is going to resonate for so many of our listeners who, you know, weren't necessarily nurtured as queer children and had to come out later in life. And I'm really interested in how this, like, formative childhood experience of being told to suppress yourself, your true self, how that will affect us as adults and as parents. Um, and if you had any advice around kind of how allowing ourselves to be ourselves can make us better parents. Mm. I think, unfortunately, we learn to suppress ourselves in other relationships not just with our family, we suppress ourselves with our friends, we suppress ourselves at work, we suppress ourselves, um, you know, sometimes even when we have a partner, we're not being our full selves. So it's very unfortunate the way in which families may shape you to be the version of you they want to accept. Um, I live in North Carolina, which is the South of the United States. And it is a bit less progressive than other parts, right? And so you do have a lot of LGBTQ people still struggling with coming out to their families. And, you know, oftentimes I'm, I'm talking to so many of my clients about, you know, maybe being a gay man and their father asking them about sports and where's your girlfriend? And, you know, just those, those ways that you have to say like, hey, I don't watch sports. Like I've been your I've been your child my whole life. <laughs> You've never seen me watch sports. But just <laughs> just having that, you know, they're really still trying to shape you even in adulthood. And so how do you start to say I don't like sports? Please don't ask me about sports anymore. Now if you want to talk about, you know, other things, there are other things we can talk about, but sports is mm -hmm. not one of those topics. It's been so lovely chatting to you today, Nedra. I find this whole subject fascinating. And and as I said, I definitely need to be a bit more drama-free in my life. <laughs> Just finally, before you go, would you be able to give our listeners something, maybe three practical takeaways for living a more drama-free family life? Takeaway number one, the changes you want to see in your family will come from within you cannot change other people. You can change yourself in your relationships with other people. Takeaway number two, you do not have to live a second childhood. You can be an adult 
in your family relationships. That might look like you reshaping your roles with people, you showing up as your authentic self and not who they shaped you or raised you to be. Number three, as you are doing the work, there may be pushback from your family. There may be people who do not support who you are, where you are in your journey. And for that, I would say find people outside of your family, include your friends, include um, your partner and their family, include you know people in your spiritual community, coworkers, whoever you need to pull in, the nice old lady down the street, whoever is a support for you, those are your people. Um, we have a heavy reliance on sometimes the people who don't support us. Mm. And we need to increase the support that we're getting from sometimes strangers. You know, sometimes people who just want to see us do well, sometimes former teachers, sometimes mentors. We have to be open to loving people who love us. Mm. You were a stranger before this to me, but you've definitely given a given me and I'm sure a lot some amazing advice and absolutely insight I feel like I've had a therapy session I feel lighter and less burdened by myself <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. so thank you so much for coming on our podcast we've really enjoyed speaking to you and just so anyone listening can get your book tell us where where that they can get it what it's called and everything like that yes so my book is called drama free and i have another book called set boundaries find peace you can get it any place that books are sold thank you so much for your support oh i feel cleansed and nedra has given me the therapy session to be drama free and i'm going to take that for the rest of the day i think lot she's that's, amazing i loved it that's my thing yeah but before we go before we sign off for today let's have a little culture chit chat anything you've consumed this week other than than bluey lot well actually i've consumed quite a lot of champagne this week honestly oh, Stu, which dear. i'm feeling a little bit worse for wear today <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I've been to a few parties. Oh, check you. I know. I went Where to have a, you been? Who so have you seen? I went to a fun fashion party. So my cousin, Romy, I can't believe I haven't name checked this yet. This is like literally the most exciting thing about me, other than the lap dance from Rihanna, which was also related to my cousin, Romy. And your but, night out with Kristen Stewart. Oh, oh yeah, oh, which yeah, was yeah, not yeah, related yeah. to Romy. Anyway, so my cousin, Romy, was in a band <laughs> called The XX, and she is amazing and she is like my sister and I love her so much. And she is now an amazing DJ and solo performer. And she invited me to this Dior party that she was DJing at, which was really fun. There were robot bartenders with like these big robot arms mixing drinks. And oh, we went God. with our other um, family member, Louie, who's 19. And he got scouted by a model agent and asked to go for a casting at Burberry. So he was like thrilled with himself. But it was a really nice family moment. And to bring it back to family, just a little insight into my kind of extended family, which it feels like it is kind of a queer family, even though not everybody's queer, although my cousin Romy is. But Romy, I say the majority of you are, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> Louis isn't, bless him. He's like the only straight man. I mean, take out the fact you're at Dior and you've got robots making you Negronis or whatever. 
<laughs> like just to be together with family. That's really nice. It was. That was what was nice about it, quite honestly. The Dior helped. <laughs> Dior helped, yeah. We should have made you a T-shirt with the queer parent on the front and then from gay to Z on the back. And like just, I need to do this, like, and just parade you around on all your networking friends, <laughs> like a bill, like yeah. a billboard. Anyway, well, that's me. Have you been to any fabulous parties this week, Stu? <laughs> Did you ever do dad beer, beers with the dads? No, I didn't actually. And then I skipped quiz night at the PTA session as well. I actually really oh. wanted to go there because I love a quiz. And I, I've now offered to actually host a quiz next time. I heard, oh, maybe I shouldn't really say this, but I heard it was quite dry. So mm. um, I feel I need to, I do actually have a sequin jacket that I've used to quiz master before. And I also used to host loads of quizzes. I was that person in lockdown where I hosted loads that of quizzes. But anyway, so I haven't been to anything like that. But I tell you what I did do, which is very unglamorous and very, maybe even the opposite of Dior parties with robot arms, is yesterday I went and sat in the cinema on my own and watched a film and it was heaven. <laughs> Oh, so I think nice. I was, like, see, that is preferable to Yeah, party. I think I was like, inspired is... by when we spoke to Ben Aldridge in our first episode, go back and listen if you haven't. And I went to go and see Knock at the Cabin before we spoke to him. I enjoyed it so much and I hadn't done it in so long, just going on my own, that I went to go and see the new Scream film. Because uh, I've always loved the Scream films and John hates horror films. So I just went and sat on my own and watched it on a Wednesday afternoon. And it was delightful amazing yeah I loved it ah. very entertaining just I thought you went quiet on the whatsapp for <laughs> two hours at around 3 p.m yesterday <laughs> you can tell but it was nice because I did actually put my phone away I'm not that person in the cinema right now. I put my phone away switched off and it was a nice moment of self-care so parents love that I recommend you. it if you're listening and you need an escape just go and see a film on your own. Why not? Well, that's about all we've got time for this week. This has been From Gay to Z with Stu and Lottie. That rhymes almost. If you like this episode, then please do share it with all your friends. Also, give us a personal recommendation, please. We've had a lot of people saying they really enjoy the show. And may I say, actually, Lottie, some some really lovely reviews out there that we've had. We did have uh, Miranda Sawyer. Sawyer herself. If you're listening, Miranda, thank you very much. That was very kind. But please also do give us some personal recommendations on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on, because that really does help us a lot. So and helps us keep blaring on at you. So hit rate and review. And don't forget get in touch with us as well if you've got any problems or any comments or you just want to tell us how much you love us our email is lottieandstew at gmail.com oh yes and also follow us on Substack if you like we do a bi-weekly newsletter which is a fun little essay from me and then some updates some events things that are going on news that you need to know about it's all there in your inbox so find it at fromgaytoz.substack.com. We'll pop it in the show notes as well. We will. We will. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>